You're listening to Titans of the Trades. I'm your host, Ryan England, author of Hire Better People Faster and creator of the Corfit Hiring System, a proven process to help growing companies attract and retain only the best. I'm on a mission to revolutionize the perception of the trades and elevate it to new heights. After growing up in a blue collar family, my passion for making the trades cool again runs deep. If you're a Titan in the industry and want to be on my show, stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. I mean, you can make money as a slime bag. Mm -hmm. You can make money as a Rolls Royce. You can make money as a Mercedes or a Toyota or whatever. You have to decide which it is you want to be. If you're going to be a Lexus, Mercedes, Rolls Royce, Lamborghini, whatever those cars are, you have to have the people who are like that, which means you're going to probably pay them a lot, which means they have to look the part, which means they have to be able to talk to the customers and things like that. But if you want to be this guy who's just a Yugo or what's the other one that's really little? The Pinto. Pinto. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, those all blew up. (laughs) We're dating ourselves, Ryan. Today's guest is a financial expert with decades of experience in home services. She works with a lot of small contractors, growing contractors, even those that are ready to exit their business. And she's got some amazing stories to share about the results her clients have been able to achieve by following her simple rules. It's not every day that I have financial experts on the show, and I'm super thrilled to introduce them because sometimes... We all know those financial episodes can get a little dry and a little detailed, but Ruth King has such an amazing way of simplifying it and making it so easy for us to translate that I actually really got excited about the shift in thinking that I think so many of you are going to get. So I'd love to welcome today's guest, Ruth King. Hey, Ruth. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. So one of my favorite questions to ask guests is this question about the myth that entrepreneurs hold on to. We all have these beliefs, these things that aren't real, but we believe them to be true. What's the biggest myth that you want to shatter for our listeners right now? Being a great technician makes you a great business owner. I've never heard that one before. (laughs) (laughs) So you work a lot with contractors, home service contractors, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the people that you work with wore tool belts Mm -hmm. and they were in the field, they were doing the work and they, I'm guessing they thought, heck, I can turn this into a business. And that's what they did. Or they got mad at their boss or they said, you're paying me $25 an hour and you're charging the customers 300. I can do a cheaper, better, da, 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 da. I'm not realizing what the, this word overhead really means. <laughs> what do you mean there has to be $15,000 worth of materials on the truck before I send it to someone's house? Yeah. That's crazy, Doc. <laughs> yeah. So help me understand that. Break that down for us. Why is that a myth? And what do you want our listeners to be thinking instead? Well, if you want to buy a job, i.e. just work for yourself and work 12, 14 hours a day until you drop, then it's not a myth. Mm. You're not going to grow. You're going to be able to do only what you can do. You're going to get frustrated hiring people. Mm. And you're going to just continue along with your tunnel vision. If you are starting your business as a tool, i.e. it's a tool to achieve something. Mm -hmm. So it might be, I'll give you the perfect example of business as a tool. One of my colleagues, clients, whatever, 
He started his business because his daughter was nationally ranked in volleyball, and he wanted to be able to go to all of her games, which were nationwide. And he did. So he built the business to the point where he had managers running it. And he said, I think I missed one volleyball game through college. Mm. Now, the business is multi-million dollar business. It had to be in order to be able to have the management team in there to be able to run the business profitably. And it's done. So he's going to sell the business. So it was a tool for him to actually go to his daughter's volleyball games, which was important to him and important to her. So mm. What's the tool? You know, why did you start the business? What's the tool? It's a tool to do what? Is it a tool to take care of your family, which most of the reason is. But, you know, what does take care of your family mean? Is it like setting a goal and objective and telling your kids about it at the dinner table and saying, hey, if we achieve X in profit, we're going to take you all to Disneyland or hunting or fishing or whatever their thing is. You think that those kids are not going to harass you at the dinner table? Hey, dad, did we do it yet? Or hey, mom, did we do it yet? <laughs> they will force you for that particular tool. Yeah. So, I mean, that might be it. It might be to travel. It might be actually to go teach. It might be to do nonprofit things that you're passionate about. But your business should be a tool that allows you to do X. That's when you really and truly debunk that myth, when your business really becomes a tool. And so you have to learn. It's not only the tool belt. And I'm going to do it from the HVAC side, I mean, or the electrical side. First time you looked at that wiring dragger and you went, what the, you know, what is this? Mm -hmm. And you didn't understand it. It, it. it didn't make any sense to you, but you learned it because yeah. you need it for your job. It's the same thing with the financial side of business, which you never really got exposed to working for somebody else. The first time you look at a profit loss statement and a balance sheet, it's like, don't get this. But there's lots of books out there. You can go and take a class. There's lots of online stuff. I wrote a book called The Courage to Be Profitable, which is in English. It's not an accounting babble, so about P&Ls and balance sheets. And you can use that. You can use any number of books. Spend 15 minutes a week doing it. Mm. We waste 15 minutes a day sometimes, more. And just do it. And then all of a sudden you think, well, why did they, I think these were hard? It's kind of like that wiring diagram three, four, five months later. Why did I ever think this was hard? Same thing. It just takes a little bit of practice, a little bit of work. And, and that's how you grow the business. And you also, the other thing that has to happen is you have to let go. Mm. You have to hire people. You have to let them make mistakes. And I know it's like, mm. <laughs> but the only way they learn is by making those mistakes. Yeah, we talk about that in the work we do as well. You have to let people fail. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that. Like People hear the word fail and they cringe. It's an evil word. It's bad. It means... I'm a bad person. And it's like, no, it means you did something you didn't know how to do and you didn't do it the way that we thought it should be done. So let's learn from that and let's not do that next time. Yeah. Now yeah. it becomes an issue when they fail on the same thing multiple times in a row and they don't learn. That's, That's a different issue. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, you're telling your story and it flashed me back. I had a mentor real early in business. I was probably about four or five years in business and he's talking to me about financials and I'm like, what? <laughs> I go, that's the thing that the CPA charges me a lot of money to fix at the end of the year. Right. And he's like, yeah, those things. And, and he's talking to me about what do you do with those? The idea was how do you turn it into a tool that becomes a valuable asset to your business that you can actually use to make decisions? He goes 12 months. 
I said, 12 months for what? He goes, in 12 months, you're going to love financial statements. You're going to love that stuff. 12 months, that's all it's going to take. And every time I saw him, it was like, so you have updated financials? I'm like, no. <laughs> Before <laughs> long, I figured out he's going to ask. But at the end of 12 months, I was like, I get it. Yeah. It took a while. Like you said, it's like that wiring diagram. It took a while. I did not like it. I told people, if I knew then what I know now about having to do finances to run and manage a successful business, I probably would have gone to work for someone else. Or you would be so much further ahead now than you than you are because you didn't you took too many years to learn it. That too. You want something really simple and easy that they can do in the beginning. The way that a home services business or a business services business generates revenue is through a billable hour, period. Mm-hmm. You don't bill an hour, you don't get paid. It's unlike a supplier who has stuff in their warehouse or stuff in their store. It's not sold today. They can sell it tomorrow. In our cases, if we don't use all eight hours and bill it, we can't save it for tomorrow. It's like that airplane seat. When the airplane takes off for that hotel room the next night or something like that, it's perishable. So track your billable hours. Mm. That's really easy to do, especially for those of you who are by yourselves. How many hours are you working versus how many hours are you billing? And you're probably going to be shocked. That generally changes instantly the way you look at business. Billable hour. Yeah, because the markups on materials isn't what it used to be. And it seems like every day you go and the prices went up. And so your markup became even less if you didn't quote right. Mm -hmm. That billable hour is so critical. How do you get out of this? So typically the people that we're going to be talking to might have five or six trucks on the road. So they've, they've broken through that piece of they have a job for themselves, but inevitably they're still in the field. They're still riding shotgun. They're still driving one of those trucks when a tech calls in sick. Like they haven't broken out of that yet. How do you break through that and get to the point where you have a business that supports you in a way that you can go to every volleyball game? Number one, you have to plan for it. You have to always be looking for people. When everybody tells me they can't find people, yes, you can. You have to create the culture to find people. You have to, in this day and age, look at them and say, you know, if somebody wants to work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, great, perfect. I had a contractor who shall remain nameless that I did not was not working for, with, who had a somebody walk in his door who just wanted to work Saturday and Sunday, and he refused to hire him. I was like, Argh. How many people do you have that don't want to work Saturday and Sunday? You can fill the whole week up. (laughs) So you realize that as you grow, there are levels of what I call no man's land. And you're going to be able to grow into the point where you can't do it anymore. And hiring that first management team generally happens somewhere between 2.5 and 4-ish million. And it's tough. It takes a long time to find the right people. And yes, they have to know financials. They have to be able to run a department profitably. So they have to know that just as well as you do at that point. Of course. Yeah. And the thing is that you then become the taskmaster, so to speak, rather than the person in the field doing it. So Mm. you review financials, you review monthly numbers. What did we do for revenue? What did we do for expenses? Where are we from there? You attend the meetings, you do those things. And I can't tell you how many owners I work with who are five, six, seven, 10, 20, 30 million who have bad days and wish they were back in a truck. (laughs) I know some of them too. (laughs) That's the easy stuff, of course. You were talking about how they can't find people and Core Matters, that's what we do is we teach them how to, Mm -hmm. to recruit, attract and retain good employees. And I hear a lot, oh, nobody wants to work. Everybody's lazy, 
and I tell them, I go, you know, it's not that nobody wants to work. It's that odds are from what they can see or what they know about your company, nobody wants to work for you. Mm-hmm. They want that culture. They want that sense of belonging. They want to know that you're in it with them. You know, employees, they don't wake up and go, I'm going to go put in my 10 hours today and just slave because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, They're trading that time for money so that they can go do the things they want to do. And if right. you're not invested in those things, you're going to have a real tough time finding people to invest in you. Well, the other thing, I mean, you, you're going to be on my podcast in a couple of weeks and you'd sent me or I downloaded, I can't remember which, your, your questions that you asked in interviews. Mm. And they are phenomenal. Thank you. But if you don't live up to those questions, and that's one of the things that we should talk about when you're on mine, not here, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to have the culture to be able to answer the questions correctly. I mean, you can make money as a slime bag. Mm-hmm. You can make money as a Rolls Royce. You can make money as a Mercedes or a Toyota or whatever. You have to decide which it is you want to be. If you're going to be a Lexus, Mercedes, Rolls Royce, Lamborghini, whatever those cars are, you have to have the people who are like that, which means you're going to probably pay them a lot, which means they have to look the part, which means they have to be able to talk to the customers and things like that. But if you want to be this guy who's just a Yugo or what's the other one that's really little? The Pinto. Pinto. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, those all blew up. (laughs) <laughs> We're dating ourselves, Ryan. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You're going to have a guy who potentially doesn't smell good, has a shirt out, has a truck that doesn't look neat, is yeah. sloppy. But that's what the customer is paying for. And there are some customers who just want to do that. So you have to decide what you want to be. If you want to be a Rolls Royce, you have to look, act, have the culture, have the people and everything who are Rolls Royces. All right. So just your listeners have to be aware, where, where do they want to land? But, you know, they have to make that choice. We can't make that for them. And then they interviewed to that point. If you're looking for the cheapest guy in town, guess what? You are going to be that Yugo or the Pinto or whatever it is from there. You know, yeah, I don't have a problem. I mean, somebody walks into one of my client's offices and says, I want to make $50 an hour. I say, terrific. Hold on a second. And we do the calculations. Your truck needs to generate $350,000. And I'm pulling numbers out of the air right now, okay? Yeah, I'm no, not saying it. that these are the right numbers. Yeah. Because I don't know their overhead cost per hour for something like that. Until So terrific. Can you generate $350,000 a year for, for us? And if they say yes, and we, we do the numbers so that every week we know what they're generating, terrific. We pay you $50 an hour. Doesn't matter. You want $100 an hour. Your truck has to do it. Why? It's okay. Yep. The truck doesn't care. I love it. I share that exact same philosophy. Let people make what they want to make. Mm-hmm. Because if you do the math right, mm-hmm. you're going to make even more. Mm-hmm. I love it when salespeople's commissions are higher than the owner's salary. <laughs> oh, you know what? Though? There are very few owners that are okay with that, I found. But I agree with you. Yeah. I want the salesperson making way more than me because that means that we're growing a great company. I love what you said too about that idea of the Rolls Royce versus the Toyota. For many people, a car exists to get them from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. You do not buy a Rolls Royce because you need to get from point A to point B. Because the person that can afford a Rolls Royce can have someone drive them <laughs> and they don't have to drive at all. And the amount it costs to build a Rolls Royce is probably not this. They have such greater margins over there because they need the better leaders. 
because they need the better staff, because they need the more luxurious waiting room, because they need because of all of these extra things, the overhead that's created to create that brand and that luxury. I do meet a lot of owners who say, I want to be the Rolls Royce, but I want to charge Pinto prices because I'm uncomfortable yes. charging too much. <laughs> and then you don't have the margins to be able to pay for the best techs, mm-hmm. pay for the best CSRs, be able to have clean trucks or new trucks. And so I love that analogy and just being able to break through and think, okay, what is it that I want my business to accomplish? I want to go to every volleyball game. In order to do that and create a Rolls Royce brand, I have to charge more. I have to be pickier about people I hire. Mm -hmm. I've just spent more time building my process. I love that. And also remember the culture piece of it is also critical. It's not only on the outside what the customer sees, it's on the inside and how you handle situations, how you take care of your team members, what you do to help them. I mean, it's not only what the customer sees, it's what the internals see too. Yeah. Well, remind me when I'm on your show to talk about the Apple. All right. I will. Ask me about the Apple. Uh, And that's exactly what you just said. I agree. So we make this decision. We get aware, we get conscious about what kind of business we want to create, how we want to use this tool. Where do we go from there? Execute. Do your thing. <laughs> How? I'm busy. I got tool belt on. I got to be in a try. I got eight jobs I got to be at today. Now you're not going to have a tool belt on. I promise you. You're <laughs> not going to have a tool belt on forever. And then, you know, what's the really hard part hmm. is once you've done it, letting go. Mm. This is my baby. I, exactly. This is my baby. No one's going to take care of my baby the way I took care of it. Ruth, what are you talking about? Letting go. Yeah. Help break that down. How does that work? How do we do that? If the tool has achieved its purpose, i.e. the volleyball games are over, it's time okay. to say bye and do something else. That's why I always beg, and sometimes it is beg, owners to have outside interests, not be the business 24-7, 365 days a year. Because when it is time to go and and the tool has done its thing, you don't want to go. Let it go. Go do your thing. Mm. And that is really, really hard. I've had owners who've sold their businesses for a lot of money Mm -hmm. that I've helped them do it. And they're miserable because they don't go to the office every day. Mm. I've had other owners who've known that their business is always going to be a tool They sell their tool and they're doing what they want to do. One of which restarted his rock band at the age of 65 Uh and went on from there. I mean, so the business did its thing. It's supporting him for the rest of his life to do what he wants to do. One of which is his rock band. I think it's cool. I love that. I share a similar philosophy. I say, build your business to sell. Mm -hmm. And when you're ready to exit, you might just want to be the buyer. Because that business can run without you. And then you just say, hey, you know what? In order for me to buy it, I've got to pay someone to replace the few little pieces that I'm doing. And I just collect back, sit back and let the business grow and connect connect a nice little royalty for the rest of my life or give it to the kids or something. And But you've got to build these unless you want to create a job. Like you said, you got to build it to sell it. Now, I'm not saying that creating a job is wrong. For some Mm -hmm. people, that's all they really and truly want to do. They just love working with their hands. They love the tool belt. They love the ability to just do what they want when they want with a customer base that they really like. One of them actually is in the city of Atlanta who I've met, and he is very, very small. He's by himself. 
He loves doing what he's doing and he has no desire to grow simply because he likes what he does. He doesn't want people and he's put enough money away. And that's the key is you take one or 2% of all of your revenues and you dump it in a savings account that you never touch. And so when he says, I'm done, my knees are no good, my back hurts, he's got enough of a nest egg saved up to do something else. He turned it into a lifestyle business. Yeah. There's nothing wrong There's nothing with it. nothing wrong with it. Nothing. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But what it, what, where it becomes a problem, I think, is when you have a lifestyle business, but that's not what you want. Yeah. I agree. Or the other way around, right? I just want the, I met a guy one time and I said, so tell me about, he was a home service contractor. I don't remember which field, but he told me, he goes, yeah, I grew my company. I was up to 30 employees at one time. I go, you're solo now. Like, did you exit and go just do your own thing? He's like, nope. He goes, I realized I'm not a good leader. I don't like the people side of business. And I just want to make just enough money to take care of the things that are important to me. And I can do that by myself without anybody else. And so he just eventually just let let people go and let them leave. And he went back to what he wanted. And that's the whole point, I think, is in business is this is here as a tool to give you the lifestyle you want. Yeah. Which tool you create, that's up to you. I love that. One of my clients now, the sons are now running it. Mm. He looks at the reports and everything else like that. So he keeps a pulse on what's going on. He says, but I hate coming to the office. I don't want to come to the office anymore. He doesn't have to. His sons are running it. Yeah. And they're doing a good job. Let them go. That's great. I had a, that reminds me of a story. I had a new client and they're like, yeah, in seven years, I want to exit. I want to give it to the kids, sell it to the kids. Right. And I was like, well, do your kids want it? Let's find that out. So we bring the kids onto a call and we're all talking to the kids and they're, and, and he says, so when I sell you the business and all of a sudden all these alarms went off and the kids were like, what do you mean? Sell me the business. <laughs> they're like, I thought you were going to give it to me. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's like, well, how do I retire? Like what? So anyways, let me, let's say those kids aren't in the business anymore because they were hanging on thinking they were going to get the gift, the business gifted to them. I just thought it was funny. I love this idea of deciding what kind of tool you want to build in your business. And then that almost dictates, I mean, probably not everything, but a lot of how you need to price, who you need to hire, what kind of culture you create, what kind of customers you're going to serve, what kind of product you're going to deliver. I mean, if you're a Rolls Royce, you're not buying the cheapest no-name equipment because that's not what people who buy Rolls Royces want. I mean, it makes so many decisions for you. I love that. We have something similar as it relates to fishing. We can talk about later when it comes to people, but that's such a cool concept. Yeah, it works. Yeah. And just because you're good with your tools does not make you a good business owner. But if you're good with tools and you learn how to use the business as a tool, you can have a great business. That's exactly right. You got it. Such a cool concept. (laughs) Only I own an HVAC company. So- Ruth, I'm sure that this is not the only nugget of wisdom that you have in your experience. (laughs) There are probably so many other things you can do to help people understand how to get what they want out of their business. Tell me, how do people get a hold of you? And you also have a giveaway for our listeners as well. Tell us about that. So you can tell by my gray hair, I've been around. (laughs) so if you go to my ultimate website which is my portal where i put everything together and it's ruthking.info so i gotta do is ruthking.info and remember that 
everything's there. All the books are there. All the courses are there. All of the financially fit business software is there. And there's a download there called how to tell if your financial statements are wrong in less than a minute. And everybody's got a minute. Yeah. You have to print them out first, though, right? You have to do it at the end of the year, end of the month. You have to print out the fight. No, more than the end of the year. That's what I was taught. <laughs> you can't just like every month. <laughs> I love it. So, ruthking.info, go grab that download. I know that there is a wealth of information on that website. And uh, I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you for having me, Ryan. And I look forward to you being on Contractor Sense. Ryan England here. Thank you so much for listening to Titans of the Trades. If you're a Titan in the construction, manufacturing, or skilled trades industry and would like to be a guest on my show, please visit podcast.corematters.com. If you found value in this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and share it with a friend or post it on social. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag Titans of the Trades. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, click the subscribe button. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and get me one step closer to solving the labor crisis facing the industry. Want to know more about how we're doing that? Go to our website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.